Beyond the Ball, fueling your faith and family through sport. Welcome to the Beyond the Ball podcast with Coach Eric Klump and Coach Justin Gersten. Welcome back to Beyond the Ball with Coach Eric Klump. I am Justin Gersten. Coach Klump, how you doing? Oh, excellent. I can't wait to talk to Kyle and Asim today, two, two guys that are doing big things. I'm excited. Yeah, me too as well. Uh, celebrations this week. I think I'm going to get started uh, with our first celebration. First, I want to celebrate uh, our Heavenly Father. Um, we talk about Bible verses, and we'll have one for this pod coming up here in a little bit. But uh, I'm just going to celebrate him and him getting through our pastor at our family's church. Um, she's going through a tough time right now with her mother, um, who had some heart conditions, and she was traveling out of state for the last week or so, and her mom is currently doing fine, um, still battling through, but um, right now in pretty decent shape. And so I'm just going to celebrate and give thoughts and prayers uh, to Pastor Vicki and her family right now. Amen. Prayers up. Um, so my celebration, and hopefully it's it's just beloved karma for being on the show is is jordan hogan our guest from week two if you if you have subscribed and if you miss any of our episodes hoagie came on week two and he was talking about his grind to become either a division one football coach or an nfl coach and my celebration is to him because we learned this week he landed a job with the arizona cardinals so congratulations and my celebration goes out to jordan hogan yeah oh my oh my goodness i mean that's just unbelievable that he was on talking with us about a month ago and just going through his grind and the idea that he wanted to quit football and maybe yeah. not coach anymore and trying to make ends meet. Uh, so huge blessings for Coach Hoags. Uh, married, has a child on the way, and um, man, God is just yeah, showing God's his so grace good. on that kid. Uh, absolutely. What, what's our verse for the week, Coach? Yeah, Kind of going along with Hoagie's story. I'm going to go into Psalm 16.8. Um, it states, I keep my eyes on the Lord always. With him at my side, I will not be shaken. And I think about this, and it's, you know, it's not always going to be easy. There will be doubt and distractions, maybe divide, and you're going to feel discouraged. But he never said it was going to be easy. He just said that he was going to be by your side. And, you know, thinking about Hoagie's, and like you just said, his his journey in in coaching and football, and he knew this is the the avenue that he wanted to serve people in. And at times he was second guessing about is this the right time, is this the right plan? And then bam, he's right on his feet, right where he wanted to be. Yeah, I think when you're in those tough times, it's really hard to maintain your faith. Your faith can kind of be tested and. I know that's been a challenge for me in the past, but you always have to uh, make sure you put it in God's hands. And I know that's so easy to say and very difficult to live out. Um, but I've seen it in my life. Obviously, Hoagie had it there. But when you have faith, that faith leads to a little bit of perseverance. And that perseverance really leads to, you know, hope, hope that it, the better days are coming. And so, that verse is just instrumental in my life, um, and hopefully that show, sheds a little light for somebody uh, in their lives coming up. Yeah, when you're going through those storms, you just can't see the stars or you can't see the light at the end. And you keep praying and you keep the faith and you just have have the hope that he's, he's right by your side, you know, um, there with you through the, all the tough times and, and there when he's shining the light down on you. So, yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, Coach, before we talk to Asim and Coach Kyle, um, today is Ooh, National Chicken day. Wing Day. National big day in Western New York. Big day. Yes. We are Buffalo, Western New York natives, and so we don't call them Buffalo Wings like the rest of the country do does. Excuse me. Yeah. We just call them chicken wings wing. or chicken wings. Right? Wings. Wings, right? They're just wings. And so um, my question to you is we need to – kind of see where you stand. We may lose some listeners because of this, but the first question, if we have any listeners at all, um, the first <laughs> question though is mom. Ranch, yeah. Hi mom. Uh, is ranch or blue cheese? Oh, with your come wings? on now. Like you're, you're asking me this question. <laughs> I'm oh. asking you, I'm putting no, you on record. I think like, I know the answer, but yeah, come on. on. 
There's only one way to go. It's it's blue cheese. Get out of here with that ranch stuff. I think, though, that people around the country maybe just don't know. Yeah, I just think people around the country just don't know what blue real blue cheese is all about. We're not talking oh, about gosh. Ken's Steakhouse blue cheese that you find in the grocery store. There's like legit yeah, stuff that you point. have to, you know, but I'll be honest. I don't even use blue cheese on my wings. I use that for my pizza. Uh, I just need my wings to be crispy and they need to be sauced up, which leads oh, me to the saucy. next, which leads me to the next question in our poll is what flavor or does it matter? Cause there are Ooh. all kinds of flavors, yeah. but some purists would just say you go hot, medium, mild. And then I heard on the radio today about this, uh, um, I don't even know, like, it was like some fruit, like strawberry flavored wings or mm, something. Yeah. And I, don't, so, I don't even know anything about that. So flavor, like, give me a top three. So like my girlfriend talked me into stopping at this place in your EPA called Otis 12. And she okay. was talking about how they had like 125 different sauces at this place. What do you even and do with that? I know, right? It was, it was like a... <laughs> We were flipping through us like a book, but I mean, it was outstanding. So Otis Twelve and Erie, but if if we're just staying the basic, I like a little bit of a mixture of like a medium barbecue for me. That's what I'm. That's what I would go to. Medium barbecue. I like them a little bit on the hotter side. So, um, and then there's a place in Lockport that makes these teriyaki wings. Oh, okay. Frankie's. It's in a little plaza, hidden gem in Lockport. Frankie's. Teriyaki wings. Gotta have them. What about you? Uh, I am a fan of pretty much any wings as long as they're crispy. Uh, I like a little heat, but I want to be able to taste them. So I usually go medium at the most. Very rarely will I go hot. Uh, And that's a lot for my kids too because my kids won't eat them hot. So if I'm really hungry, I get them hot because then my kids won't eat them. (laughs) Great plan. Left for me. Uh, But if they're for the family, we're, uh, we're big fans of like... Um, charred wings, like barbecued, yeah. like deep fried, and then charred on a grill as well. Um, but honestly, I'm just a straight up medium sauce type of guy. Uh, there is a place in Lancaster, which is a local town around where we live, that has some nice garlic parmesan that are pretty good as well. But usually, I'm all about uh, just regular hot, medium, mild. I don't need all the all the different flavors, and I'm impartial. And yeah. so when we talk about favorite places, I'm impartial to my local pizza places in my in my village. Um, but I'll get chicken wings from pretty much anywhere uh, as long as they're on the crispier side. So I love it. National Chicken Wing Day is where it's at. And so the last question before we go then, uh, drums or flats? Oh, okay. Yeah, I'm a big drum guy and my girlfriend is a flat person so um she enjoys the flats i enjoy the drums so it's it's a match made in heaven yeah that is perfect my uh half my family likes the drums and then half like the flats. so i would say the same thing for us i'm not a big fan actually i'm not a fan at all i've seen some wings on social media today that are like the flats and the drums still connected oh and i don't know if i've seen any place in western new york do that so I would like to maybe try that, but ultimately I'm a creature of habit. So I would just like my wings the way I've always had. Shout out to the places in Western New York. When you ask if you can get them all drums or all flats, they oblige and they make it happen. So shout out to those places. Yeah, those places are on the top of our list for sure. So coach, uh, let's get into then our show tonight. When we get back from our break, we have Coach Asim. Rostogi and Coach Kyle Cavanaugh with us tonight, and they are part of a couple different groups that we're going to talk about. One is Lead Them Up, and the other is Essential Coaching. And I can't wait to hear what kind of insights they have for coaches and the development of their culture. What are you thinking? Yeah, they, they've really developed this platform just kind of a passion project. They, they met at a coaching seminar and got to talking with each other and uplifted each other so much where they started working together, and like you said, on this project called Essential Coaching and, and the Lead em Up Project. So I'm really stoked to have them on. All right, great. So we're going to cut out here for a quick break, and then when we come back, we'll have Coach on, both coaches on with us, and hopefully you guys enjoy the conversation. 
Thanks for listening to this episode of Beyond the Ball with Justin Gerstung and Eric Klump on the Hoopheads Pod Network. Our roster of shows includes Thrive with Trevor Huffman, the CoachMaze.com podcast, and our latest release, Players Court with Joseph Harris. If you're an NBA fan, be sure to catch one of our new team-focused shows, Cavalier Central with Justin Matcham, Nuck If You Buck with Devin Zanskis, and Grizz and Grind with Elijah Campbell. We'll be adding more NBA markets in the weeks and months ahead, so keep up with our latest updates on Twitter, at HoopHeadsPod. I'd love for you to check out our flagship, the HoopHeads Podcast, hosted by me, Mike Cleansing, and my co-host, Jason Sunkel. The go-to podcast for basketball coaches at any level. Now let's get back to Justin and Eric. All right, guys, welcome back to Beyond the Ball podcast with Coach Klump and Coach Gerstung. We are joined on this pod by two coaches, Coach Asim Rostogi and Coach Kyle Kavanaugh. Uh, coaches, how are we doing tonight? Doing great. Thank Excellent. you for having doing us. Doing great. Thank you. Absolutely. Why don't we start with some introductions? Because our typical listener group or cohort is Buffalo, Western New York area. So they may not know um, who you guys are unless they're basketball junkies like us. So why don't you guys give us just a little brief rundown of who you are and what you do? All right, great. Uh, I'll go first. I'm uh, Kyle Cavanaugh. I live in Ruston, Louisiana, uh, down here in the boot. And I am, uh, we can get into this a little bit later, but I'm currently actually not coaching. Uh, the high school coach and teacher for the past 11, 12 years in Louisiana, started coaching at Louisiana Tech as a graduate assistant under Kerry Rupp, moved into the high school ranks, uh, coached uh, for eight year or seven years as a head coach at uh, Cedar Creek High School, and then jumped over to Simsboro uh, High School and was fortunate enough, won a couple of uh, state championships there, and then made a very difficult decision last summer to walk away from coaching. Uh, made a family move, um, and again, can get into that a little bit uh, in more depth in a little bit. Um, but the, the great part is, is that we started a central coaching, Asim and I. Um, I'm also a regional coach with Lead em Up, uh, which is founded by Adam Bradley, who's the, one of the co-hosts of the Hardwood Hustle. Um, and so while not in coaching, I've uh, been able to sort of jump into one of my uh, passion projects for the last few years. And that, that's working with coaches. And that's that's how we've gotten to uh, Essential Coaching, which, uh, of course, is co-founded with my good buddy, Asim. That would be me. Um, and, and I appreciate the opportunity from you guys to, to have us on tonight. I think it's, you know, it's super cool to see all of the people out there that really want to share the game and really want to grow uh, sport in general, but obviously we're, we're partial to basketball, both being basketball guys. Um, like Kyle said, my name is Asim Rostogi, and uh, I'm actually an assistant coach up here at Brandeis University right outside of Boston and, um, you know, co-founder of Essential Coaching with, uh, with Kyle as well. Now we've been doing that for informally probably three years together, and we can get back, we can get into that a little bit later, but, you know, formally doing this making sure that you know we're we're on time here with the timeline we've been doing this now for about two months uh or three months and have loved every second of it and like kyle said he's down in louisiana with lead him up i'm up here in the northeast as a uh, northeast regional leadership coach as well with lead him up and uh and so really just have our hands full and have my hands full um with chasing all of those passions at once and being a classroom teacher uh, at the high school level, teaching business at a public school up here, again, just outside of Boston. Well, thanks. Thanks for sharing, guys. Um, awesome stuff. I know that I on social media, I always like to follow anything that Lead em Up does, Hardwood Hustle. They've really made an impact on my coaching career. Um, Kyle, can you just explain what um, your project of essential coaching um, deals with and what you're trying to accomplish? I'm sorry, I lost you. Can you just go into detail about essential coaching, your project with Asim? Uh, yeah, absolutely. Um, so Asim and I met actually uh, through a Read and React webinar, uh, I would say a little over three years ago. And I, I think he would probably agree that that's really when this started. Um, Asim and I realized that we've had a lot of commonalities and parallels uh, in our coaching careers. Um, and we just, we just sort of realized that the conversations that we've had with one another was the best professional development that we've, we've ever had. Um, and so just sort of born out of this idea of if this is working for us, uh, you know, 
we wonder if it could work for somebody else. And so let's just sort of extend the platform uh, and try to try to have a little bit more reach and bring in a third person into that conversation and then a fourth or a fifth or a sixth and just kind of see how far, uh, you know, potentially that it could go. And and what we like to say is that that we're allies in holistic program development. Um, we, we like to think that, you know, there's coaching is ex- extremely difficult. It's extremely lonely. There there's a lot of weight on the shoulders of coaches, especially head coaches. And, and we've both been uh, head coaches and we've and, and this was a, a huge turning point in both of our careers. We were both let go. And, you know, we would probably say that was one of the toughest things that we've been through. But at the same time, it's probably been one of the best things that's ever happened to us. And it's gotten us to where we are right now with the central coaching. And we have just, we, we've been there for each other. I mean, he's been my ally and I, I, I like to think that I've been his. And we just wanted to, to expand this and try to see if we could bring in more coaches on, into this conversation. And uh, we've been doing this for, yeah, I think three, three plus months with a group of about 24 coaches um, is just sort of our, our pilot project. And having deep, meaningful conversations to take coaches down their path. And that really is what we, we believe. We, we think that coaches all deal with similar, similar things. Uh, the struggles of coaching, we, we all deal with those, but our context is, is different. Um, we're, we're dealing with the same problems, but we're not dealing with them necessarily in the same way. Um, and, and level has something to do with that. Coaching boys versus coaching girls has something to do with that. Absolutely. Winning programs, losing programs, uh, new programs, historic programs, you know, young coaches, old coaches, all of those variables um, matter. And, and they're important to each coach's journey. But we feel like your journey is what really matters. Um, and so we like to think that that we're about trying to find cures, not treatments. You know, we don't believe in prescribing things where we, we don't consider ourselves experts um, at anything. We just feel like we're really good at sort of having the, the deep, meaningful conversation to get to what is specific to you and what your issues are, and then being the ally that will walk down that path with you. Um, and, and, and I feel this way with anybody that I teach or I coach. Like if I work with you, you know, as far as I'm concerned, we're, we're partners for life. So, you know, the people that we've got in our community, which we like to say we're the deepest connected coaching community in the world, and that's our vision, um, is to make sure that when you are a part of essential coaching or in any circle that I'm around, that we are going to be extremely connected with one another. And we're going to make sure um, that that you and your particular situation is kind of first and foremost. And that's what we mean by uh, being an ally. Yeah. And, and I'll just echo what Kyle said. I mean, the, the deepest connected coaching community in the world is not an overstatement. I mean, we're in three different countries right now. We have members that are in Kenya. We have members that are in Estonia. And then we have members in the United States. Um, and we have all levels represented. I mean, we got people who run their own youth program. We have Division II college coaches. Uh, we have high school coaches, girls, boys. We don't even have, I mean, we have other sports too. We have football coaches. We have ADs. Um, so we're kind of all over the place when it comes to our membership. And what we found is that that community of people that has been created through essential coaching has started to take on a life of its own. Um, And what I mean by that is, I mean, you see on Twitter, like you see the little red triangles that's representative of our pyramid. People have started putting that in as like they're verified, uh, just like you get a check mark, like they're verified essential coaching members, like they're in it a hundred percent. And so, you know, in talking about some of the services that we offer and some of the things that you can do with essential coaching, uh, right now we're offering nine different services and two ways to get involved with our community. Uh, Our most popular thing is one-to-one coach advocacy and what we call our preferred community, which is what everybody's in right now, um, which is small groups. We intentionally keep them small so that we can have those really deep conversations. Just last night, we had our Tuesday night uh, cohort, which has six or seven coaches in it. And that's really our max is about seven at the most. Um, and, And what's crazy is that one of our coaches just had a baby like his wife just had a baby three days ago and he apologized for being late to the call so (laughs) and and it's not and that to me like some people may be like well he needs to be taking care of the baby 
But the fact that that is so important to him that he's like, hey, I can't stay very long, but I wanted to show my face because I feel like this is something that's good for me and I'm a part of this. That's the feeling that we want to be able to bottle up and, and really get to other people. Because um, like Kyle said, coaching is really lonely. Um, but we have coaches that contact us all the time for one-to-one coach advocacy. Like they're going through uh, an adverse time in coaching, which we all are right now. Um, you know, people on the small group calls, but we also have extended it to teacher PD and in-service um, at athletic administration and department development. So we're looking at ways that we can, and we, we'll go through some of this a little bit later too, with our uh, reflection, awareness, clarity, and alignment and congruency framework that we've put together, trying to get organizations on the same page. So it doesn't matter whether they're a football team, whether they're a basketball team, girls, boys, badminton, I don't care what the sport is or what the group is. We feel like our pathway can get any group of people uh, who are committed to it on the same page and going in the same direction. This sounds like a an amazing avenue to go down, especially as a young coach or a coach at, at any age. So, Asim, for those that are out there that are interested in joining this essential coaching team, how would they go about that? Yeah, so we actually have a website that we launched about a month ago, and the URL is www.essential-coaching.net. And you can subscribe to our mailing list. And then once you've done that, go on over to click community. And, you know, we have we have a couple discount codes that we can send to people once they've subscribed to our mailing list. And you can get started today uh, with one-to-one coach advocacy. If you wanted to join our premium community, that's a one-on-one thing with you or you can bring your whole staff. Um, or if you, you know, if you're a school leader or if you're somebody who's in Western New York, like, I'm up in, in Massachusetts. It's not that far of a drive. We can do some lead them up regional coaching with you too. That's part of my region. Um, but anything that we can do to help serve you is going to be on our website. And so long as you're subscribed and you're in it to win it, you can, you can get started today. Uh, what I will say is that we're going to have uh, open enrollment for our preferred community, which is our small group cohorts, starting September 1st. So anybody who's listening that wants to jump in on our small group cohorts, contact us through the through the website and we'll certainly get back to you and get you on that list. And that list is filling up fast. So we want to make sure that those who are interested can get in uh, while there's still room. Yeah, wow. Such a great opportunity, I think, for coaches. I'm just thinking about this. Coach Klump and I both work in a very small district, and sometimes it's difficult to get everybody on the same page and pulling in the same direction. So super valuable. I'm glad that you guys are here to talk about some of these challenges, because I think you're right. I think when a lot of times I'm going into my 16th year now coaching varsity boys basketball and there are times when you are depending on your district and i'm sure it's the same in bigger districts i only know the smaller school uh sample but it sometimes you feel like you're all alone on an island and it would be nice to sometimes have some ideas to bounce off of other people and um, make those connections so yeah that's great so good so my what i would love to dig into if you guys don't mind is you know kind of the backstory between the two of you and maybe the journey that you guys have taken to come to this uh service and how you provided it so typically we do an activity called the three h's where you guys give us like your highlight a hardship that has kind of led you to new beginnings and then the heroes or mentors that have kind of pushed you in the right direction so maybe we'll start with the heroes um anybody in your lives that have really shaped and pushed you to in the direction that you were now in or to those spot that you are now in, in your journey, Kyle, you want to go first? Yeah, sure. Um, yeah, I, I've got to go. I mean, I got to go with my wife. Um, she's the, the smartest and, and toughest person uh, that I know. Um, she just finished this time last year, her fourth college degree. She's in the medical field. She's a nurse practitioner now. Um, we had a little girl four years ago and, and, and Kendall was barely six months old and Megan went back to school to NP school, um, while I was still coaching, uh, and had to put up with a, a brand new baby and a, and a coach that was gone all the time while trying to finish school. Um, and just kind of watching the way that, that she handled all of that stress, um, while at the same time sort of leading our family, 
um, really put a lot of the coaching, you know, things that I was going through into perspective. Um, and, and I mentioned, uh, I'll, I'll get to the, the hardship here in a second. I, I foreshadowed that a little earlier um, with being let go, but just sort of having her there to support me through all of that um, was, you know, I, I wouldn't have been able to do that um, without her. Uh, professionally, uh, I mean, I got I to gotta talk about a seam and I could go on all day about him and, and how we got together. Um, but I would also throw out uh, Adam Bradley, of course, uh, with his uh, amazing reach through Lead 'em Up, and then and then welcoming us into the Lead 'em Up family uh, as a regional coach. Um, and then I, I, if I could throw one more out there, I'd say Chris sure. Oliver as well uh, with basketball okay. immersion and getting to do some things with him and and his mentorship and friendship has has been amazing. And uh, you know the work that he does was really big on my coaching career from the X's and O's and, and player development side of things. Yeah, those are some good names right there. If coaches that are listening or players have not heard of those guys, they're definitely worth looking up on social media. Uh, Seam, what about yourself? Any heroes that have kind of pushed you to where you've achieved? Yeah, yeah. so so personally, I mean, to, to echo what Kyle said, I'll, I'll sort of go in the same order here. Personally, I would have to say my mom, number one, um, you know, she grew up in Kenya and wasn't allowed to play sports. And so as somebody who got cut from every team he tried out for and like just wasn't, I was like, I played rec. I wasn't very good. Um, and I didn't have the same opportunities like that other kids had um, just because growing up in our family, like sports wasn't a big thing, but I knew I wanted it to make in my career. And my mom, you know, sat me down and she was like, look, I wish I could have played sports growing up in Kenya, but I couldn't. And so I made it sort of my mission in life to become an ally for girls and women in sports. And that wouldn't have happened had I not had that experience with my mom and her, and her non-experience playing sports. Um, and just like thinking about where she might have been and whether her life would have been as hard had she not, you know, had she been able to do that. Um, you know, and then professional, I mean, yeah, so professionally, um, you know, I'll, I'll echo what Kyle said. I think Adam Bradley from Lead 'Em Up and the Hardwood Hustle has been just a, a light in both of our coaching careers and both of our lives. Um, you know, I met Adam back when Lead 'Em Up first started at like a PGC Glacier Clinic. I think the, the company was like a month old. And uh, I had just taken over at my alma mater um, as the head varsity girls basketball coach. And, and he and I connected at that clinic and he came and like kicked off lead him up for us. Um, and I think I might've been one of the first, the only school in Virginia or the only team to be a lead him up team, um, which was amazing. And then just for that relationship to blossom from there, uh, led me to, to meeting, you know, obviously developing more of a relationship with him and then the rest of the the uh the regional coaches here over the last year has just been awesome and then you know chris oliver getting to do uh, you know a member q a with him and, and really being mentored by him a little bit and really taking a lot of what he was doing with basketball immersion and applying it to my own coaching um set set me up for major success um so for sure those two guys and then uh my mom and i'll have to speak on kyle as well like he actually stole my answer. We were texting earlier and I was like, I'm going to say that you're my hero, but talk about somebody that has pushed you uh, to think clear, more clearly, to think harder and to be a better man. Like that's something that he's done for me. And I'm eternally grateful um, for the opportunity, not only to, to call him a friend and a brother, but now to call him a business partner um, because we're going to take this thing to the top. Awesome. Um, so, Asim, you were just speaking about how in Virginia, you're at one time, you were the only lead em up team. Can you just kind of go into greater detail about what it it means to be a lead em up team? Sorry, you cut out there for a second. Yeah, I just wanted to go in a little bit of detail about what it means to be a lead em up team. Yeah, sure. So, you know, I'll, I'll sort of go through the story there briefly. Uh, back in the day when lead em up first started, it's always been a uh, a very turnkey thing so uh, you get online you sign up for your membership back then it was 249 dollars. now it's 99 dollars, which is a steal i mean that's like you pay that out of your own pocket if you can't fundraise because it is so worth it um and there are you know all the exercises are online there's video there's podcasts there's all kinds of resources for you um and so we were one of the only schools i think the only school in virginia for a long time 
um, that used lead em up as part of our culture and part of what we were trying to build. And so with that, we had a leadership coach on staff. So for a couple of years, it was my JV assistant coach who volunteered to do it. And then my last year at that school, it was my former English teacher who was still teaching at the school and still teaches to this at that school to this day, um, who again was one of those people in my life, I'd be remiss not to mention her, Carly Eaton, who set me on the path to being who I am today. Um, and so she was like, listen, I'll do it. I love improv. And, and a lot of those games were based on improv concepts because of Lead 'em Up's former um, partner, Game On Nation, which is run by Steve Shenbaum. And so now with Lead 'em Up being its own thing and there's no partnership with, Lead, uh, with um, Game On, again, like you can sign up for $99. If you contact me or Kyle, we can give you a promo code. If you join our community, either our preferred or premium community, you get lead them up for free. Uh, and you can also be a lead them up school or lead them up team and take your team through our, you know, we have six week tracks, 12 week tracks, a la carte exercises that you can use. You can bring a regional coach out. Um, and then you get all kinds of the other resources that lead them up has, um, you know, with the weekly emails, with, with polls, with surveys, with, ways to measure leadership and all that. But we were one of the first ones in the state of Virginia um, to really jump on board with that. And that's all due to the relationship with Adam and meeting him um, and really being able to convince my former AD to, to let me spend the money out of my budget. And if he hadn't, I would have just paid for it out of my own pocket. Yeah. And so seeing the lead him up and I, I have followed along a little bit. I have not um, joined officially, but, or Kyle, um, cause you both are, entwined in the lead them up program what is the the goal of that like what are we trying to get i mean i know a little bit but for our listeners what are you what's the whole mission of the lead them up program kyle what do you think lead them up is all about developing our athletes into the leaders needed to win that's as as plain and simple as we can we can possibly put it um another thing that lead them up does a really good job of <clears throat> is sort of reframing and rethinking uh, a lot of, you know, sort of the traditional conversations like around what, you know, what is leadership? How do we define it? Um, you know, just simply defining leadership is influence, you know, and who can lead in your program. Um, and when you, when you think about it in those terms, everybody leads in your program or has the potential to, because everybody has the opportunity to influence someone else. And it, it doesn't have to be, you know, the loud, rah, rah, charismatic, you know, senior quarterback. You know, it could be the last person on the bench or the quietest person or people can lead in their own lanes and lead from different ways. And and but but we can't just sort of assume that our kids are going to develop into that one day. You know, we all pray that that junior group we have something magical is going to happen over the summer and they're just going to naturally develop into the, the leader that we need for that senior year. And that's you know, we, we just can't really leave that up to chance. You know, hope is not a great strategy. And lead them up is very intentional about building uh, those leaders needed to win. And another analogy that um, Adam likes to use, which I think is genius, is that, you know, we all start somewhere and we all start from different places. And the idea that we all start with zero weight on the leadership bar, you know, everybody can pick up the bar to some capacity. And so it's our job as their coaches uh, through the lead them up program to add weight to that bar. And we can add just simply five pounds at a time, sort of at your pace, but you're constantly improving. And then every time that you do, it's about building uh, what we would call the green team um, and surrounding and sort of insulating the program with more, not only just more leadership, but better quality leadership in and throughout the program. And, and what I would say to follow up on that, if I can, just real quick, I think one of the things, one of the traps or one of the pitfalls when we talk about leadership is that it has to be some sort of like austere conversation where, you know, we're, we're reading out of a book and we're highlighting and we're doing the exercises and we're talking about it as if it's this like, you know, nebulous thing out there that's only reserved for the top of the top. And what lead em up does is it takes that idea and it turns it on its head. And we have, and Adam and, and our team have created some engaging, dynamic drills and exercises, just the same way that you want practice to be dynamic and engaging. And your kids are like 
just on their tiptoes for more. And that's one of the things we say, like leaders live on their toes. Um, you see it. And, and this year at Brandeis, like we took a college women's basketball team through it. And it, it was kids were on their toes every time they asked for it in their end of year surveys. They said, we want to do it more. Um, and so I don't know if there's many things in your end of year surveys where your kids say, hey, we want to do that more. We feel like we really benefited from that. And, you know, reading out of out of a, a captain's manual or something like that, like, right. OK, that has marginal effect. But what you're really doing is you're getting the kids reps in leadership so that, as Kyle talked about, like when that freshman is a senior, if they've gone through this program for three years, they will be ready if they've been intentional. And if you as the coach have been intentional in building their leadership, using the program, Um and again, like that's what Kyle and I do in our regions. Like we help coaches do that. So as teachers, do you feel that leadership is something that should be taught um, in the public schools, maybe at a younger age? Kyle, what do you think? So it's, it's funny you say that, not even just public schools, but I'm actually going to be teaching Lead em Up on campus at my school uh, starting this year. I'm going to be running a leadership and development program uh, specifically geared to uh, for fourth through eighth grades. And, you know, we're going to be using lead them up as sort of the, the main vehicle for that. Um, but also to tie in other conversations around, you know, diversity and inclusion and just talk to, to kids about what's going on in the world today. Um, but building better people, you know, I mean, we, we could argue that if you're a better leader, you're just simply a better person. Um, and, and I think there's a huge conversation and a lot of things that get missed in a, in a traditional classroom setting around emotional intelligence and empathy and, and those sorts of skills um, that largely go overlooked. And so, you know, we're going to be very intentional about that at, at the school that I'm teaching at right now. Um, and so me and the AD, who's also the, the dean of students, um, are going to be in charge of that. And I'm super excited about it. There's, there's been a lot of buzz around campus with the parents and the kids, and, and they know about it because I taught seventh grade last year and, and did a lot of things with my kids. And I think people around campus and the parents saw the impact that that had. Um, and, and to sort of echo what Asim said about like at the end of the year survey, you know, I'm asking my kids during all this COVID stuff, you know, just sort of wrapping things up. Like, what did you remember from our year? What did you learn? And I teach se uh, seventh grade life science right now. And, and they talked about being green and going for the gold, uh, you know, and, and using our, our, you know, sort of internal sticky cultural language. And that's what they got out of the year. And then all of a sudden, here we are, not in school, you know, not doing Pythagorean theorem and mitosis and all of the things that we and standardized testing. It, the last four months has really tested like who we are as people. Absolutely. Um, and I, sure. I'd like to think that, you know, my 58 some odd seventh graders were more equipped to handle the last four months because of what we did throughout the school year. And the idea is that we're going to bring that to, you know, almost campus wide, uh, focusing on those fourth through eighth grades. And then the, the, the high school, all of the athletic programs and spirit groups and stuff will have access to the program too. So yeah, definitely, definitely an opportunity to do that in schools as well. It sounds like a class yeah. I would want to take. Without a doubt. Yeah, without a doubt. I, and me, I teach high school. Like I don't, I don't, not with fourth to eighth graders, but I'm teaching a team and organizational leadership class next year. I added it like I proposed it and it got added at my school, which kudos to my school for having the vision to do that. Sure. Absolutely. Um, you know, and, and bringing lead them up to at least my class. And then the idea is that that's going to spread um, and kids are going to want to take that class and it becomes something that as a slow burn being a second year teacher at that school, going to my seventh year as, as a classroom teacher building up that, that uh, credibility to say, hey, look, we should be doing this school-wide. Um, and so I think what you've seen over the last probably five minutes here of talking about the effects, the positive effects lead them up has, we've gone now from fourth grade all the way to college athletics. Right. And you see that, it, that the, the issues that it addresses and the issues that we're trying to address through essential coaching in partnership with lead them up are the same regardless of where you are, whether you're in fourth grade or whether you're in college or in your, in the pros. Um, so it's a really exciting time kind of, you know, in, in a manner of speaking to be us and to be involved with those things. Um, 
because we're finally seeing the things that we've talked about for the last three years as like, hey, everybody else is kind of struggling with this too. Let's see if we can help some people. Absolutely. Yeah, no no doubt about it. And so I think I probably, my next question or topic is, I think I probably know your your answer to this, but so what we're talking about is building obviously positive culture, sustainable culture with this leadership. And so some of the things I was talking and emailing with you guys about earlier is we have in our community, you know, some talking heads on, on radio and stuff with the NFL season, getting ready to start about winning and and culture. And you often hear the message that culture doesn't matter and that leadership doesn't matter and that the best players and the most talented players are obviously your better leaders. And if you, as long as you have the better players then obviously your culture is going to be good because you're just winning. Uh, What is your take on that? Do you think that's more of a pro mentality or do you think across the board, we're talking fourth graders to college level kids, you know, I'm just looking for a reaction to that statement because I hear that and I just shake my head and say that that's obviously not true, but I just wanted a reaction from either one of you guys. What do you think about that? So I'm I'm sitting over here smiling and I'm trying not to say like when was the last time Buffalo was good at anything. Just saying. <laughs> oh but man. I'm just you know, I'm I'm just throwing that out there. I mean anyway. No, but, and that's and a seem you know, not to cut and a seem not to cut you off, but and that's kind of their argument is right now, you know, the Bills are kind of on an upswing a little bit. We mm-hmm. would at least like to think so. And mm-hmm. that's what these these people are talking about. They're like, well, the Bills are getting better, not because the locker room is better, but it's just because they're getting better players. And Eric and I, I think, would probably agree that our coach is actually doing a very good job of building the locker room first, and the wins are coming because of that. Um, but there's kind of this dialogue out there, right? And so you're, we, I don't take offense to that at all because we sure. really haven't won anything. But so I guess that's kind of what exactly where I w- was hoping you would take it. So I, I apologize yeah. for cutting you off. No, no, it, and it's fine. And I was more facetious than anything, but I think Sean McDermott has done a great job with building that locker room. And sort of one of the questions that Kyle and I ask a lot of our coaches, because we talk about this in our sessions a lot, in our in our cohort sessions, you know, one of the the key questions that's sort of foundational is, you know, when talent doesn't show up, what does? Right. Right. Absolutely. And so, yeah, you can have all the talent in the world, but oftentimes those super duper talented teams are also the most difficult and the least fulfilling to coach um, because there's a constant struggle in alignment. Um, You know, and, and really if we're measuring beyond winning and losing, which again, at the pro level, yeah, your job is winning and losing. I get that. But at a short term, winning and losing means nothing. Long term, if you look at like the Patriots, they have their own way of doing things. Now, we can talk about them cheating and doing all that. I don't condone any of that. But what I will say is that when we talk about culture, we talk about reflection, awareness, clarity, and alignment. Being up here in Massachusetts, even in the grocery store, it says do your job, right? Everybody up here is aligned to what the Patriots want. And so when you think about like the most successful teams, the most successful programs, the ones who are not just successful once, but they are successful for a long time, the San Antonio Spurs, Barcelona, any of these top, top, top teams, they don't just have the best players. They also have the best people on their teams. And it's the people that fit that organization. And so, you know, being a a current sort of closet Washington football team fan, right? I just I just knocked on <laughs> uh, on the on the Bills. We suck too. Um, Dan Snyder has no idea what he's doing. There is no leadership in that in that program. He's run off twenty some odd coaches since he's had the team. Right. Right. And so, when there is no clarity, when there is no alignment. He needs to call us over at Essential Coaching and let us help him figure it out with Ron Rivera, right? But that's the thing. Like the, the, the talking head guys on the radio, they get paid a lot of money to say that stuff. But right. in reality, when your talent doesn't show up, what are you left with? And right now, nobody's playing. So really, what are you left with? If you're leaving people up to their own devices to stay home and to stay healthy so they can go into a bubble and then compete, well, what happened with the Marlins? Right. Where's the clarity and alignment there to say, hey, this is bigger than you. Right. Um, 
And so, yeah, I mean, obviously, like I, I could have a much more vitriolic reaction, but I, I'm sure Kyle has has more to say on that as well. What do you think, Kyle? Yeah, I, going back to the the foundational question of you know what happens when what what shows up when talent doesn't, and you know we we are all familiar with sort of the the sports history landscape riddled with talented teams that underachieve, and so it's like, well, why did they underachieve? It's not because they were talented. They had talent. You know, tons of teams have talent. Uh, and, and even if they, you know, I, I, I would contest that it's possible to even win a championship and still underachieve. Um, cause I see teams do that all the time. They, they had the best talent and they might have quote unquote won the trophy, but they still underachieve and their kids had a terrible time or they didn't have the experience that they wished that they could have or the coaches were miserable the entire year. And, you know, and those those cases are rare, but it's not about sort of winning and losing the trophy or not. It's about reaching your true potential or your ceiling. And you're not going to do that on talent alone. And if it was, then the most talented team would always win. And, and clearly we know that that's not the case. Um, when you get into a situation, you know, like in March Madness, you know, the, the most talented team usually doesn't win. One of the more talented teams does, but it's a it's a grind. It's an extremely difficult, um, you know, tournament for three weeks. And so, you know, when when talent doesn't show up, we're going to figure out sort of who we are and what our true colors are. And then especially right now, like what shows up when we're not even allowed to play? Everybody's talent right now is the same. It doesn't matter how good your quarterback is or if you've got the number one player in the state at point guard, nobody's playing. So your talent right now is completely neutralized. So the success of your season, whatever that season might look like, even if you don't get to play a game, simply cannot be, you know, pedestaled on how much talent you've amassed. It's got to be something else. And or you're just going to be another one of those teams that underachieved and, you know, sort of is left in, into history and not remembered for the way that they probably should have been. Yeah. Go ahead, Asim. I'm sorry. Well, yeah. So, so just to I, one of the things that I thought of while Kyle was talking is, you know, when we think about like all star teams or these super teams, and yeah, they'll win a championship. Like the Warriors won a championship. I mean, but they also lost one, right? So it's not a, a surefire thing that just because you have the most talent, you're going to win every single time. Um, and so, what we try to do is operationalize those variables to say, like, you know, and to steal a phrase from Hari Mananen, who's one of the great coaches over in Finland, um, you know, he talks about complex versus complicated systems. And so basketball teams or just teams in general are complex systems. They're not complicated systems. A complicated system, you can take one part out and replace it with the exact same part and it'll continue to function. A complex system, you take one person away and you're also taking away everything about that person. And then you try to replace them with somebody who may have the same skill set, but they're a completely different human being. And so the team's going to function differently. This isn't Madden and this isn't 2K where you can just go trade and get talent. Right. And there's no right. chemistry or culture score or climate score. It is literally just like, are you good or are you not? Um, you know, and so, so to that point, like being able to differentiate those things, I think is a hard part of coaching too, because we all would love to have the most talented players. But even now, like watching kids on these live streams for recruiting and stuff, I'm like, great. All these kids can play. I want to know what they're really about. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that, you know, depending on your why, like what is the purpose of your team and why are you coaching? I mean, I coach my daughter's fourth grade basketball team and obviously winning and losing is not the main objective, but as you creep closer to the professional level, you know, people's salaries, their jobs are on the line based on winning. Um, but I think I agree with both of you that the, the better teams, the more consistent teams are the ones that have the culture first. And then when you add the talent, um, then, then you really see those dynasties pop up and they, they just really take off the 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 patriot example will be interesting right because as a bills fan we've heard you know for the last tom, 20 tom brady years or however long it's been right that the patriot way the patriot way and you know it helps when you have tom brady obviously so we'll see this year you know if that patriot way still exists 
um, when, you know, arguably the greatest, and I'm a Michigan fan too. So that's a, like a love hate relationship for me. Cause I'm a bills fan, you know, so I love Tom Brady, but I hate the Patriots, you know? So it, when you see maybe the best quarterback ever disappear, it'll be interesting to, for sure to see, you know, how that culture continues to thrive and move forward. But coaches, I, one thing I just wanted to touch on before, you know, our time, runs out here a little bit is Kyle, you said that, you know, you gave up coaching and stepped away uh, recently. Uh, What was the scenario? If you don't mind talking about that or going into that, how was, how did that decision go down? And, you know, how did you come to that? Cause as a coach uh, and a father of four, you know, that, that conversation has come up in my household many times. Uh, and I was just wondering any insights that went into that, that you could maybe share with our listeners. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, this was, this was a, a difficult sort of conversation and story to tell a few years ago, but it gets a little easier. And I, I found that there's a lot of value in it for other coaches because I thought I was the only coach that had been fired in the history of sports. And I took it very personally uh, and come to find out there's more of us out there, right? Um, so right. I was the head, head coach at a school for seven years and, and we weren't super talented, but I was trying to do all the right things and thought that we were getting better. And, um, you know, we were using lead them up and building our kids, good character kids. We had phenomenal, phenomenal human beings in the program. Um, but we were, you know, limited uh, talent wise and we played in a really, really difficult district. And, you know, it was just tough. It was it was really tough. And. Uh, I was brought in and, and was told that I wasn't going to be coming back as the, the head coach. And, and that was it. And it was kind of like, you know, that seven years was a waste and gone. And I had passed up a lot of other head coaching jobs to stay there. And, you know, I went through a lot of emotions that you could probably imagine. You know, uh, I was upset. I was stunned. I was felt like I had been betrayed. I was, you know, I was angry. I was all those things. Um, but it just so happened I got to, I got a chance to bounce right across town with a, a very talented program that had been knocking on the door for a championship for years and yeah. got to, to got to go over there and uh, be a part of that. And we, we won back to back state championships. You know, I was less than a year removed from being fired and, and I had a ring on my finger and, um, and then we went back and we, we did it again. Um, and so it was a, a huge roller coaster of emotions the last three years going from my first head job, which I got when I was 24. So I looked at that program, like it was my baby. Um, right. And you just start to, to think of everything that you've possibly done wrong, um, you know, coaching. And then to go from that to winning back-to-back state championships, and then we felt like our best season was going to be this season because we had two really great, talented kids coming back as seniors. And it was like we were going to go for a three-peat, and it was, we were shoe-ins. And, you know, I, I had an opportunity to take a, a coaching job, which ironically enough, the story gets a little bit crazier, back at the school that had let me go from coaching. And so I've, I've got a daughter and, and she's got uh, some really complicated, bad allergy issues and things like that. And, and okay. this, this, the school was the school is the best fit for her. Um, and so I was kind of faced with a choice of do I keep chasing a, a three peat and try to prove to everybody that I know how to coach um, or do I do what's best for my, my family and for my daughter and, and for my wife? You know, I, I missed the first four years of her growing up and my wife was in school and it was extremely busy and chaotic and we just didn't see each other. Um, and while I very much wanted to try to win a third ring or a fourth or a fifth, um, the thing that I kind of realized after the first championship was I immediately wanted a second one. And right after I won a second one, I immediately wanted a third one. And I just kind of had to take a look at myself and be like, okay, even if I win nine in a row, I'm going to want a 10th one, you know, and that, right. that sort of feeling is never going to go away but an opportunity to spend time with my my daughter and my family that is going to go away um you only get sort of one shot at that um and so it was a a very very difficult decision i I love my my guys i really hated to leave those boys um that was was very difficult you know watching them play this past year and not being there uh for them every single day um but you know it, it i had to i had to do what was best for my family and they understood that and i thought in trying to teach them and lead them, and especially in the vein of lead them up, you know, I thought that was an opportunity to sort of impart one more lesson on them, that eventually things are bigger than than sport and basketball, and we have to do what's best for our family. And that was sort of my way to teach them one last lesson. Um, and so I took the teaching job back at, um, you know, back at Cedar Creek and 
uh, just taught seventh grade science last year, but getting to do some lead them up. And then it just, it's all kind of come to a head now where I'm getting to do that almost full time there um, and really making a, a better impact on that campus than I could be just, you know, as the, as the basketball coach. Um, I'm going to have more reach uh, to more people on that campus and uh, and now getting to do this in the same lane with a scene through essential coaching. Um, you know, so to kind of go back to the three H's, like my hardship and my my highlight is both getting fired um, because it was the toughest thing I've gone through. But it ended up being the best thing that ever happened to me because um, it also forced me to just look at some things differently and the way that I coached and what all I was doing. And um, a seam had gone through something similar. And um, I think that strengthened our relationship. And it's sort of all gotten us, you know where we are today. And, and I, you know, I don't know if I'll, I'll coach again. I could. Um, but again, I've got, I've got one four-year-old daughter and that that's never going to come back. So I wanted to make sure that I, I was taking advantage of that. Yeah. You know what? And I appreciate those words as a father of four. It was the same. I, I teach seventh grade too. Uh, oh, wow. I love, I love that age <laughs> seventh grade social studies. And now I have two middle school children of my own. And it was the same thing in my small community. I was coaching, you know, modified this and varsity football and then jumping right into varsity basketball. And I just don't know how coaches like 30, 40 years ago coached three, four sports uh, a year, you know, because and had families and saw them because um, especially in my house, my wife is also a teacher and it's just you lose the days like the days just fly by and you don't get to hang out with your kids and you don't get to connect with your your spouse. And it just it challenges, you know, the family aspect of things. And so I am in total agreement with what you said. I had to choose one. It was either football or basketball and basketball was my passion. So when I gave up football, it was the same thing. Like you, you've been with those guys three, four years and they kind of look at you like, you know, where are you going? You're kind of leaving and hanging us out to dry. I think that would be one of the, the challenges as a coach in walking away. Um, but ultimately you realize too, that there are other people that are just as capable that can do the job, maybe even people that are better than you. Um, and it, it kind of can lead you into new opportunities as was your case as well. So yeah, yeah I just appreciate that story. Yeah. Completely. yeah two, two or three weeks, two or three weeks later, you know, Adam is reaching out and saying, Hey, you're not coaching. Would you be interested in being a lead them up regional coach? And I was like, man, like if this is, if I can kind of have my cake and eat it too, you know, um, to still get to work with coaches and, and kids and, um, but at the same time, have some more time with family and be home. And, and like I said, it was not easy. It's, it's been tough. It was a hard year. Um, but you know, and those, those guys looked at me like, well, where are you going? But I, I could, I could handle that conversation better than I could Kendall looking at me going, yeah. well, daddy, where are you going? <laughs> you yeah, know, exactly. that, was a, that was a much harder conversation to sort of have. And she's going to be on campus with me next year in pre-K. And so, like I said, it's just all kind of worked itself out. Um, and, and by the, you know, by the grace of being able to do this with a seam and a central coaching and lead them up in all those platforms. Um, you know, hopefully we'll, we'll not only get to do the, the great family thing, but we'll also keep impacting, you know, as many coaches and players. And, and we like to say that we want to, we want to generate exponential generational change with the deepest connected coaching community in the world. And that's sort of, that's our daily mission. And that's what we're, that's what we're trying to do. Well, that's great. Um, fellas, I appreciate it. We are up against the clock, but Asim, any final thoughts? No, I mean, listen, Kyle said it, Kyle said it there at the end. You know, our, our mission is to, is to create that exponential generational change. And having both of us, you know, I didn't get my contract renewed at my alma mater, um, you know, and that was a, a hardship for me, but it turned into something beautiful, getting hired at a school down the street, same sort of deal. Um, you know, winning a bunch of games, impacting some lives along the way, coaching some of the best kids I ever coached. And then that translated into a college job. Um, but really the thing that I'm most excited about right now and, and for the foreseeable future forever is, uh, is essential coaching and, and getting to do this with, with my, one of my best friends in life. Um, and really just trying to help coaches and, and by proxy really help kids, yeah. um, just like somebody was there for us or, or maybe wasn't uh, we get to do that uh, by proxy. And I think that's probably the most rewarding thing out there, but you know, deepest connected coaching community in the world, essential coaching. Let's do it.
Yeah, absolutely. Well, we have a bunch of mantras that Eric and I will often say on here that we use with our teams. And one of them is hungry, humble, fearless. Uh, those are words that I use with my family. And I think you guys kind of embody all of that, which is why I just loved having this conversation with you guys. Uh, truly hungry, obviously, taking on an endeavor like essential coaching uh, and obviously humble and definitely fearless to get out there and, and connect with coaches like that. So fellas, I appreciate you guys coming on. Eric had to bounce out a little early, but uh, he wants to have you guys back on. Hopefully you guys will come on and again with us and, and do some more conversating. For sure. Let's make yeah. it happen. We appreciate you very much for having us on. All right. Sounds good, guys. I appreciate it. We will talk to you soon. Thank you for listening to the Beyond the Ball podcast with Coach Eric Klump and Coach Justin Gersten.